0: Um, October of 2006, I had been attending a Bible study for about a month and a half, and it it grew a little bit, so we we had to get out of this individual's living room and uh, use a classroom on our college campus at Florida A&M University. And on this particular evening, the pastor taught a message that really hit my heart. And as he was teaching i was I was feeling drawn in a way that I had never felt drawn uh, to God before um, being somewhat raised in church I mean grandma and mom took me uh two to three Sundays a month but you know I wasn't in like the youth program or anything like that, but I was familiar with the things of God and the Bible and church I was raised Baptist but I wasn't like um I wasn't like in Christ like that and so he was teaching this particular night and i just felt this desire to give my life to god I, and i knew it was the was 19 years old and so at the end of the study he he asked he said does anyone here want to give your life to christ I'll, I'll lead you in a prayer it's simple you don't have to change anything about you you just you know believe in your heart profess with your mouth is what romans 10 says and you shall be saved all of your sins shall be forgiven and so I was in a spiritual tug of war. I didn't know it then. I know it now. But I was in a tug of war where my heart wanted God, but my flesh was fighting. me. And so um, so we held hands and I dipped my head like I'm good on this right now. And then but the Lord said, today is your day. And so I went to him one on one and I said, you know what, Pastor, I do want to give my life to Jesus. I think today is the day I want to do that. And so he said, "Okay, let's go back in the room and let's pray. And so we prayed, he led me in a prayer, and it felt great. Um, I felt something while we were praying, but as we broke off and hugged, and we went back out into the, to the hallway to go to our cars, um, something welled up in me. It was, um, it was something, it was, it, was a, it was like an overwhelming feeling of happiness and uh, joy, unlike I had ever felt before, and it overflowed into tears. And, and it wasn't just tears, it was just uncontrollable just crying and, and and welling out in joy and I was just telling my friend man i I, I gave my life to God you know what I mean and so uh, what I didn't know is that that filling was an experience with the Holy Spirit it was an experience with the Holy Spirit and and what I didn't know then is what I know now is that in that moment I was what you would call anointed I was anointed And so I'm going to just prepare us right now. Today's a lot of notes. I'm in a teaching mode, all series. And so I'm going to be right here. Um, Even next week, we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts. So i am be in the pocket, all all sermon. I'm I'm here. So bid me about 12 minutes to teach. And then the last 12, 13 minutes or so, I'll I'll give some handles and... uh, We'll, we'll go from there. So be ready to take notes. Let's get into this. So let's define anointed. Because for a lot of you, this is a brand new word. You've never even heard it before. The word anointed means to be filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit. To be filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is another name for the Spirit of God. And... The word anointed comes from the Hebrew term masah, masah, which means to smear, rub, or pour with oil. To smear, rub, or pour with oil. And the oil represents the spirit of God. So there's nothing supernatural about the oil, right? A lot of us who have a church background, especially more Pentecostal or or spirit-filled type of church background, maybe you you saw them use oil, right? There was nothing magical or powerful about the oil. But the oil represents God's spirit, all right? And so um, people were anointed in the Bible in order to go ahead and write this down, to be set apart by God for a divine task, they were anointed because they were set apart by God for a divine task. Um, I really want to dig into that a bit deeper. I think that's going to be week three. I'm going to dig into that. That's going to be fun. It's going to become more practical. Um, but we got to lay the foundation right now. A divine task. They're anointed. Someone say Anointed. All right, the anointing also, write this down, symbolizes the favor of God. So, so the favor of God rested on these individuals. The favor. So God would show up, God would protect, God would open doors for them and do miracles for them. Unlike the normal person. There was a favor, there was a choosing. Favor, favor ain't fair, you know. But most of that was pre-Christ, um, so in, in, in the days before Christ, God would anoint priests, spiritual leaders, prophets, messengers of God, and kings, those who oversaw territory. So he would anoint, set them apart, he would endow them with his favor, Correct. and he would, he would use them as long as they remain obedient and faithful. Yes, yes. And the sky was normally the limit. When you're anointed, the sky's the limit. And um, but that word Messiah, it sounds familiar, doesn't it? Like Messiah, Messiah. And so a lot of us think that um, Jesus is Jesus Christ. Christ is not his last name. He's Jesus, son of Joseph. Right. Jesus, son of Mary, Jesus, son of God. It is the proper, you know. Thing there is Jesus the Christ. So, because when you break down Messiah even the more, it really comes from the word charisma, which means to be anointed. Wow. Wow. So you got charisma and you got Christ C H. That C H is very important, but it, it means to be anointed. So really, what we should be saying when we say Jesus Christ or Jesus the Christ, this is really what you should be saying is Jesus the Anointed One, right. Right. the Messiah. Simply means that he, he was the only one in the world, only one, only man, no other way to God, no other way to the Father, no other way. It's a narrow way because it's one leader, no other religion, no other faith. He was, watch this, he was the only one anointed by God to get us to heaven. To, to, he was set apart to die for the sins of the world. He was anointed, the most anointed man to ever walk the face of the earth. So when you meet prophet so-and-so and pastor so-and-so and evangelist so-and-so and apostle so-and-so, they anointed, but they ain't anointed like Christ. Christ was what we call the, the full five-fold ministry. We'll, we'll teach about that in a few weeks. But he was the anointed one. And so, but here's the good news. Here's the good news is that the anointing is available to all people. Because of what Christ did on the cross, and when he rose from the grave, and and the Bible says that Christ promised to send his Holy Spirit to anyone who would believe, that means that the Holy Spirit is available to all people. No matter your story, no matter your past, no matter your background, the Holy Spirit is available to all people. And then here's even better news for the believers, write this down, is all followers of Christ are anointed. All followers of Christ are anointed. You may not know it. <laughs> you may not know how to, how to engage it or, or how to walk in it. But if, if you're a believer, you are anointed. You, you've been set apart by God for a divine task. The favor of God rests on your life. You're, you're anointed. And, and, so, and so with that, if anointed means to be filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit, we got to clarify for you who is the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? And uh, a lot of us even have questions about the Holy Spirit. We've we've had different experiences with the Holy Spirit. Some of you were raised in churches where they told you once you receive the Holy Spirit you have to speak in a in a foreign tongue. You have to. That's not biblical. That's one of the manifestations, or. Evidences of the Holy Spirit, but it doesn't. I, I didn't speak in tongues. I just cried like a baby. You know, so, some people receive the Holy Spirit. They just like, and they leave church and they go, you know, eat and chill. You know, but doesn't mean they didn't receive the Holy Spirit. And so, I want to clarify who the Holy Spirit is, and then we're gonna end it with why you need Him. Okay. So number number one, go ahead and write this down. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit, here it is, eternally, and simultaneously exists in three persons. Right. So God eternally, He's forever. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. And simultaneously, so all at the thir- all at the same time, God is God, the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So it's not one-third, one-third, one-third. God is all of them. Same person, different functions. All right? The, the best example I can give is, since I'm standing here, Joshua, I am son, husband, and father. I'm not a piece, a piece, and a piece. I am one person. Okay? So that, that's God. So the Holy Spirit is, is God. And it says this here in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. May the grace, here it is, you're going to see the Trinity. He is triune. May the grace of the Lord, Jesus, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. All in one verse, the Trinity. This is Paul. All right, number two, write this down. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is a person. God is a person. Um to t- to kind of build this out a little bit. So who you see is not me. This is an encasing of the real me that is on the inside. Right? So who I'm looking at is not you. That That is a beautiful, immaculate, handsome encasing of the real you. Right? God created Adam. He breathed the Ruach. The spirit of God, watch this, different from the Holy Spirit, different teaching. But he breathed the life source into Adam. This body was just laying here. But when he breathed the source of life into Adam, the Ruach, man became a living soul. So you have a body, but you are a soul. Right? And it's the soul that is the person. The soul is immaterial. So the soul is spiritual. The soul is the person. The Holy Spirit is immaterial too. You can't touch him, but the Holy Spirit is a person. Right? All right. And so he's not a force, right, that God controls. And he's like, whoo, 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 go over there in Missouri. and whoo. No, he's not a force. He's, he's a person. Right? In, in order to be a person, you have to have three things, right? You got to have a mind. You have to have a will. You have to have emotions. The Holy Spirit has all three. Here it is. First Corinthians 2 11. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. Watch this. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. God has a mind. He has plans. He has thoughts for your life. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that his plans are perfect. And pleasing, so he actually has thoughts, which which is is a key component of growing as a Christian is 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 laying down my thoughts and my life and saying, God, what do you think about Monday? What do you think about Tuesday? What do you think I should plan for a year from now? What do you think I should do with my money? What do you think I should do in this relationship? His thoughts are good, pleasing, and perfect. So he has thoughts. That's what, number two. He has a will. It says this here, First Corinthians twelve eleven. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. Here it is. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So he has a will. And a lot of us, we, we did. We did. We did the Easter thing. We gave our lives to Christ in Christmas. We, some Sunday a year ago, some Sunday a couple weeks ago, we did that. And we're wondering, why isn't my life matching up with the power of God? Because our wills need to match up with the will of the Holy Spirit. He, he alone, we're going to talk about it next week, that when you, get, when you get saved and you receive the Spirit, he gives you gifts. He alone decides, right? Okay, um, um, so I'm looking at you right now, Caesar, and you have the gift of craftsmanship. You have that. That's why you're so great at building things. So do you, Joshua. That's why you're so great at building things. You also have the gift of discernment. You can tell a liar from a mile away. You can tell when something's not right. And so when you receive the Holy Spirit, he gave you that gift. I don't have the gift of craftsmanship. I'm going into week two right now. I don't. He didn't decide to give me that gift. And we got to be okay with that. And watch this. With certain gifts come certain spheres of influence. Your gift determines the magnitude or the platform Of your influence. So a lot of us want to be like, I'm going into week two, want to be like other people, but we're not gifted for it. And it's okay. It's okay. I didn't decide it. You didn't decide it. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit said, this is what you get. And this is what you get. And this is what you get. Oh, I hate the boss. I hate my CEO. I hate the, well, they're gifted for it. God decided to give it to them. All right, but he alone decides he has a will and then he has emotions and it says this here Ephesians 430 and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. So so God feels sadness. God feels happiness. God feels joy. The Holy Spirit is a person and number three go ahead and write this down. The Holy Spirit lives within the believer. Wow. Wow. Oh my God. Such an amazing truth. I don't have to live by my own strength. Oh, my God, I'm way too weak. I don't have to live in my own understanding. I'm way too stupid. (laughs) I don't, I just, I don't have to. I don't have to. The the, the spirit of God is is in me. So here's the deal. Before Jesus, in the Old Testament, during the old agreement, okay, during the law, it was, it was, it was God upon people. So so when people were anointed, the spirit of God would rest on them. And then when he was done, he would, phew, move, on. He would move on. He would lift. For some like King David, the spirit settled on King David because God was, God was doing something, right? Um, um, it settled on Elisha. During Jesus, when Jesus was in the earth, Isaiah 7, that, that famous Christmas verse, Emmanuel, God with us. Yes. The Bible says that. All of the fullness of God lived in Christ. So when Christ was in the earth, it was God with us. God with us. Right? And then post-Christ when he ascended, and now we're, we're in the Holy Spirit age right now. We're in the church age. It's, it's your turn now. Right? Right? It, God did his thing. Jesus did his thing. Now it's our turn. And so now the Holy Spirit lives in us. And, and this is why when he was telling them, y'all, I'm going to the cross, they were like, no, please don't die. And he told Satan, get behind me, yeah, yeah, yeah. because Satan was limiting him. Yes. I mean, and Peter was limiting him, right? He, he, he was only one man, but if I die and go to heaven, I can live in each of you, so and, and I, can, I can do work all across, the, all across the globe. So it's God within. It says this here, great promise. You need to write this down. You may want to meditate on this this week. Powerful. Romans 8, 11. The spirit of God who, rose, who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Yes. Yes. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. That's why there's something on the inside of you that, that won't settle for where you are. Our flesh wears us down but there's something in you that says there's more, there's, there's greater, there's a future. And that's the spirit that rolls Christ from the grave. So real quick, why, why do we need the Holy Spirit? Why, why do we need him? All right, well, I, it won't pop up, but I, I will write this down. Jesus Christ himself received the Holy Spirit. I mean, if, if he needed the Holy Ghost, I need the Holy Ghost. I need him and and so Christ waited for 29 years. I mean, he was itching to start his ministry. But before he started his ministry, he 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 went to John the Baptist. And the Bible says that John the Baptist performed the baptism of repentance. The word repent simply means to have a change of mind or or to turn direction. So if God is going in this direction and I'm going in this direction, People would come to John and they would say, I repent of my sin, baptize me. And they would commit to walking with God, right? So John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, but there is one who comes that is greater than me who will baptize you with fire and the spirit. And he said, I am not worthy to unlace his shoes. So Jesus comes when he's ready to start his ministry. He comes to John. And he says, all right, cuz, I'm here. Because John was his older cousin by six months. He said, what's up? John was like, bro, you supposed to be baptizing me. Like, you the man. He said, no, let, let's make sure all things are in order. Before you go and do anything in this life, you run it by the spirit. You, you do what God told you to do. And so he said, even though Jesus didn't have to repent, he was sinless. He did it for us to, to be an example. So, so he went down into the water. And upon coming out of the water, we're going to pick it up here in Luke 3. Luke 3, verse 21. It says this here. One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form. A lot of people misinterpret this. Watch this. Watch this. Descended on him like a dove. Wait. So all these pictures you see. Online and in the Christian bookstore of a transparent dove descending upon Christ. They're all wrong. The Holy Spirit descended in what? As gentle as a dove and made his home in his heart. So the painting should be like a transparent man or something just... Enough. but it says it right here and and so it says this here that, that 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 it says that God says this and a voice from heaven said before Jesus did anything for God and this is the way he feels about you before you do before you usher and open the door before you do anything for God you're already affirmed you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy Then we're going to skip down because it got into a lot of lineages. So Luke 4 verse 1, it says, then full of the Holy Spirit, Luke 4 verse 1, Jesus, then Jesus full of the Holy Spirit, watch this, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. So why do we need the Holy Spirit? Number one, direction. He was led. The first thing the Holy Spirit did when he led him. This lets me know that when we receive the Holy Spirit, he wants to guide us. I remember uh, a visit here to Maryland in 2015, trying to figure out where we were going to start Highlight Church. And eventually over the course of prayer and, and uh, reading the Bible, asking the Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? And right here at Gaithersburg High School, atop of the football track, the Holy Spirit finally said, this is the place. This is the place. Just asking the Holy Spirit, where where do you want? Because I didn't want it to be from my desire. If if it was coming from me, it wouldn't work. But it's his church. It's his ministry. So I need clarity. And this is the deal. Go ahead and write this down. The Holy Spirit wants to be your GPS. He, He wants to be your positioning system. He wants to be your positioning system. But here's the key question. Does he have my consent? Am I giving the Holy Ghost my consent to lead me, to speak to me about this situation, about this person, about my children, and about work? Or am I just kind of making my own decisions? Like I'm going based on emotion, right? And God will respect that. He'll back off. He is a gentleman. So God won't argue with you, He won't yell, He won't fight. But are you giving him consent? To, the Bible says he led him where? Into the wilderness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That means Jesus was just, yeah. he was obedient. You want to lead me in the wilderness? Okay. I'll fast for 40 days. I'll face Satan. Mm-hmm. J- just lead me as I'm, as I'm facing the enemy. And whatever you ask me to do, that shall I obey. Yeah. Right? And so, d- does he have your consent? Jesus said this in John 16, 13. He says, when the spirit of truth comes... It's another nickname for him. He will guide, someone say guide, guide guide you into all truth. There is a truth for your life that your pastors cannot give you. A prophet cannot give you. Only the spirit can give you. There is a truth for your life, for every area of your life. Only the spirit. Your spouse cannot give it to you. They be tripping half the time. I be tripping. My wife be coming to me for stuff. I'm like, what? I hear nothing you just said. Isn't that discouraging? You share your heart with the person you love the most, and they just break your whole junk down because they're not even present. They hungry. God ain't never hungry. The Bible says he doesn't sleep or slumber, and he's, he's always ready to, Ready to guide you. Here, I want to give you these things. They won't come up on the screen, but just to give you some key. The Holy Spirit will always lead you toward these four pillars of direction. You need these four things in your life if you're going to have clear direction. Number one, prayer. The Holy Spirit will always lead you towards prayer. And when you don't feel like praying, you know that the enemy is involved. And your flesh is winning. And, And your flesh will always lead you to a place of death. Right. The Holy Spirit, number two, will always lead you towards scripture. Always. I'm praying that you will fall in love with the Bible. The only word of God. The word Bible means books. So the reason we say holy is because it's been anointed and set apart by God. There's no other book written by God. It will always lead you towards scripture. You got to read scripture every day. That's one of the things I I knew. I knew a month in after I got into my Gospels, I'm like, the reason I love the word of God so much is because I have the Holy Spirit. I will stay up two o'clock in the morning devouring this thing. The Holy Spirit will always lead you towards scripture. You need your daily dose of it. The Holy Spirit will always lead you towards healthy community. Healthy community. A healthy church. A growing church. A strong church. The Holy Spirit will mess up your friendships. Yes. He'll, he'll start to say, You're not strong enough to reach them. Right. You got you to disconnect. Yeah. Yeah. Right? He'll start messing with your relationships because he wants you to be around healthy, faithful people. That's right? So the Holy Spirit will always lead you towards serving, He's not selfish. Mm-hmm. You, the reason you're serving is to break the spirit of greed off of you which is actually keeping you limited. It's keeping you limited. It's keeping you, that's why you serve, to, to, to remind you that it's not all about you. Luke 4 verse 14 says this, then Jesus, here it is, this is the key, this is, this is so important. Then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Someone say power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. The second reason you need the Holy Spirit is power. You need power. You need power. And, and this is what I've come to find out. Your, your, here it is. The more you obey the Holy Spirit, the stronger you are as a believer. Yes. Obedience results in strength. You ever notice that when you disobey God your resolve is weak you're weak but when you obey God you're strong when you're pure you're strong who shall ascend the mountain of the most high God those who have clean hands and a pure heart right so who's going to win in this life those who obey God and love purity a purity of mind a purity of words a purity of heart that those are the people that God is going to take high places, that he's going to bless in all kinds of ways. It starts with your purity. So through the wilderness, Jesus obeys God and he leaves the wilderness in power. Which tells me that there's, there's not supposed to be a such thing as a weak Christian. You have weaknesses, but you're not weak. Right? You, you should be powerful. So the word here, power, in the Greek is dunamite. Go ahead and write this down. This is where we get our word, English word, dynamite. And it is, it means God's strength within to accomplish my God-given task. God's strength to accomplish my God-given task. And, and so there is a power available to you to overcome and And to thrive, I did a teaching with our staff on Wednesday. It was called um, uh, How to Remain Encouraged, or I may rename it because it's six ways to remain encouraged. And um, they all started with R, so they were alliteration. And um, the one I I hung on this week, because I think it was remain, reflect, the one I hung on was regret, right? Right? Um, I don't want to become 60, 70 when I don't have the strength anymore. Look back into my 30s and say, man, I I wish I would have obeyed. I wish I would have trusted. I wish I would have taken that step of faith, had that conversation, went to that place, made that presentation. I wish I would have knowing that now God would have leveled all those mountains, right? And so if you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. Regret is is looking back at giants that God would have defeated and mountains he would have leveled had we just faced them head on. Regret is looking back at giants he would have defeated and mountains he would have leveled had we just faced them head on. So good. And a lot of you are facing giants and mountains. Financial, health, relational, job. You don't feel like you can overcome. Newsflash, you can't. But you have a power in you that if you would just obey his guidance and obey his word they'll fall they'll fall i think about how our church started i think about uh, the seven adults and the, and the two children that moved from different parts of this country to a city where we knew no one there was no resource no money we did not have a mother or a father church no one supported your church I think about how we started across the street in the activity center. We, we put out some donuts and, and we, we put out a little video and we said, come, come and check out Highlight Church. You know, and at one point we had 13 grand and we spent 11,000. That left $2,000 in the account. No support, no belief. Nail tech. Nurse, nurse. Secretary, mechanic, regular people. And I I think about that. We're only five years old, two of which was taken from us from a punk behind pandemic. So really, we're three. And we go from seven adults and and, and two kids to almost 700 people last Easter in three years. It's three years, not five, three years. That's what you call the power of God. Yes. And, and, and he anoints regular people. Yes. He's not looking for superstars. He's looking for normal people to, to, to anoint. Second Peter 3, uh, 1, 3a says, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. You have the power to, to break addictions. You need the, the dunami of God to step on that campus. You need the dunamai of God to go into that bank and, 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 and make that presentation. You, you need the dunamai. So always pray before you do anything, anything, but before you do anything major, Lord, Holy Spirit, fill me with your power. Yeah. I can't do it on my own. The third reason you need the Holy Spirit is, uh, well, let, let, let me read. I'm sorry. It says this here. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures in the scroll of Isaiah, the prophet was handed to him. He unwrote the scroll and found the place where this was written. Watch this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Here it is. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. So the third reason you need the Holy Spirit is calling. Calling. Jesus, uh, Jesus had a calling on his life. Right. And he's, he read that book of Isaiah. Seven, Isaiah the prophet wrote this about him 700 years before he was born. The spirit of the Lord is on me to, to, to what? To bring good news to the poor. Right. Not financially poor, spiritually poor. And outside of Christ, we're all Poor. To proclaim that the captives will be released. That the blind would see. I remember pre-Christ. I was poor spiritually. This is all me. This is why Jesus came. I was poor spiritually. I was captive by certain mindsets and addictions. Dysfunction. Generational dysfunction. Generational brokenness. I was blind. I didn't have a vision for my life. I was oppressed. Anxiety, depression, fear. Fear. then just one faith decision stepped into the Lord's favor was anointed you need it for your calling that's the million dollar question is it if pastors Jason if pastors had a a dollar for every time someone asked them a dollar you know not 10 not 20 a dollar I'd probably be a millionaire by now a billionaire Pastor, what's my calling? What what's what's my purpose? I'm a, I'm gonna give you the answer to this right now, and it's not sexy. Gotta wake y'all up. This is this is the answer to that question. You wanna know what your calling is? Your call to what's calling you. That's your calling. For me, it's two handsome boys, um, 6.30 and 6.45 every morning. They're calling. It's it's my wife. It's the church. It's the city. It's the vision that God has given the church. Calls me every morning. It's not, you know, making a certain income amount or this. It's that thing, your, your employer. If you're a nurse... Your children, your, 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 your studies. This book calls me every day. Whether I'm studying for a sermon or just to get in the presence of God, it calls me. Because the, the Bible says that the Bible is alive. It's breathing. Every day, every day it calls me. That's your calling. And, and you are anointed for the call. You're anointed where you currently are. That school, that position. God has filled you. As a matter of fact, just a cool story, real quick, and we'll end it off. I think I'm doing good on time with four songs. All right, praise the Lord. Um, We were at Judah's game yesterday, and they were down by uh, two points. And he was uh, one of the last at bat. And um, so cool. He didn't tell me this, he told his mom this. And so when I found it out from her, it was so cool. he said that when he was coming from the dugout to approach the plate to bat, he, he, he felt this nudge in his heart that he needed to save his team from losing. The Holy Spirit was calling him to step up to the plate and make a difference. And so as, as the Holy Spirit told him that, he asked him, he said, so what should I do? Having, I love this. He's only seven, and he's having this conversation. So he, he said, what should I do? And when he, he did his little warm-up thing, and God said on the first swing, swing hard. He said that. He said, God told me to swing hard. And, and he swung, and, and he hit it. Guys, he hit this thing so far, bro. Oh, We can celebrate that. That's power. That's obedience. That's the call. That's the Holy Ghost. And, and there's two things here when it comes to the Holy Spirit. is You're called in that, in that place to make, number one, write this down, a supernatural impact. A super, in your current workplace, you ought to be different. You have the Holy Spirit, supernatural impact, and also to point people to, to Jesus.